the advertisement that we sent out or we're going to be sending out this month on this particular series and called Improving Your Quality of Life Without Spending a Dime. And I'd like you, as I read it, just to ponder for a moment and reflect on your own life. Most of us would love to improve the quality of our lives. And in America, that means accumulating more wealth and attaining more possessions. It has been handed down to us for generations that it is our moral obligation, our duty even, to give our children a better life than we had. Translation, to give them more things than we had. We somehow have convinced ourselves that the more things, more money, equals more quality of life and more happiness. All around us we see people striving after this dream. A bigger, better home, a nicer car, finer furniture, the list goes on and on. Yet beneath this thin veneer of seemingly outer joy lies a vast empty nation of people who are breaking up, falling apart. Our marriages don't last, our families don't work, and we feel empty and hollow inside. The dream of a better life has left us disillusioned, disheartened, and greatly in debt. Could it be we've been misinformed? Could there be a better, more fulfilling way to live? I want you to ponder that just for a moment. All around us in our society, we are bombarded continually, our senses, with the truth if you want to call it the truth, it's not the truth, but a truth, that we would be happier if we were driving a Range Rover. That if we had a Lexus, it would be a lot better than what we presently are driving. I want you to ponder for a moment what it would have been like to grow up in the Soviet Union all of your life. I have friends that are there. I talk with people there. So I feel I have a very accurate representation of what many people perceive life to be like. They were told by the Communist Party that America was awful, that it was a pathetic place to live, that we were oppressive, that we were, you know, etc., 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 cruel and barbaric and, well, some of those things may be true depending on where you go. <clears throat> but these people grew up believing we were the enemy. Started with Lenin, started with Stalin... It just continued on and on and on and on. Except, little by little, people were able to leave the country once in a while uh, through the Olympic Games or other types of events. People would see what Americans live like. And little by little, people would try to defect and come to this country that was supposedly so bad and so awful. Yet for the multitude of people in the Soviet Union, they spent all of their life being lied to. The truth was misrepresented to them. God was misrepresented. Life was misrepresented. Until finally, what happened was, communism couldn't maintain itself, and it died. And all of a sudden, people have gotten a taste of freedom. And all of a sudden, people have come over to this country and they begin to realize, my goodness, people are really free as we think of freedom. They drive where they want. They can own their own car. They can have an apartment that's affordable. You can get a job. They go to supermarkets that we consider ordinary and they thought they died and went to heaven. 
I have friends that are there right now living in the in the Ukraine that are they used to be here a part of this church they're over there now as missionaries and they have to walk basically five six miles to go to the meat market the meat market is on stumps of trees outside in the sun with flies all over the meat whatever meat is there and they just butcher it right there on the street and you just pick out what you want and you stand a long line to get it so they understand there is a huge difference between living there and living here that's the contrast what I'm trying to contrast to you is that these groups of individuals have been lied to for years about what this country was really like. They were enslaved to a lie. They were told the state would take care of them. The state would provide for them. That God was dead. And now my friends write back to me and tell me, Mark, everywhere I go, I see people who are hollow, who are empty. They have no answers for anything because they were told a lie for the last 70 to 80 years. Let me tell you something about America. You and I have been lied to in this country. We have been told, it has been presented to us, that things will make us happy. That the way to improve our quality of life is get a higher degree of education, so you can get a higher paying job, so you can afford a better home in a nicer neighborhood, and furnish it with nicer things from stores like Gabbert's or Dayton's Home Store. And we bought into the lie. And all over this country are people whose lives are hollow and empty inside. They thought they were going after quality. They thought they would improve their life. And then they get to the destination that they set out to attain. And they discover a very interesting and very disheartening truth. They discover, I'm not happy. You know one of the primary reasons I read the newspaper? I try to read one newspaper about every day. The whole thing, mostly the whole thing, not every single article, but a good portion of it. Is to remind myself how bad off people really are. To remind myself how much the lie has affected the country in which I live. I've been pondering a few personalities the last week. Bob, Bob Packwood, Mel Reynolds, and Macaulay Culkin. What do you think those individuals would give right now to know the truth and to have known the truth 50 years ago or Macaulay to have known it five years ago? You got this little kid in Home Alone. Just this movie hits the, hit the, hits the screen, a smash hit, and his whole world is falling apart. His mom and dad never did marry. They've just been living together for the last however many years. They have all these kids, and now they're fighting over control of the kids and Macaulay's empire. You've got Bob Packwood, who had everything going for him, in a sense, political genius, talent, Ability could have had a wonderful home. 
And he ruined it because his passions were out of control. But hey, wait a minute. You know what I was hearing on the radio recently? And this is true. This is not an excuse, but it is true. Things were different 20 years ago. Things were different 30 years ago. Do you remember John F. Kennedy? He slept around all the time. Nobody impeached JFK because it was cool to do. His own wife writes in her memoirs that she'd find different colored panties under his pillow all the time. They weren't hers. Because we were told in the 60s, sleep with whoever you want. Free love, free sex, do whatever you want. But all of a sudden, we've changed the rules of the game. Most of these accusations that are coming against him were from 20, 30 years ago. None of them are excusable. They're all wrong. I'm not making any excuses for the man. I'm just telling you the game changed. We told people that. And most people are still living in that pursuit. Or you take Mel Reynolds, everything, going from worked hard, persevered, brought himself up from tremendous poverty, admitted to Harvard, but couldn't control his passions. Why? Why? Well, because he thought he'd be happier. Let's be honest with one. All these people think they'd be happier. Melanie Griffin thinks she'll be happier with Antonio Banderas than Don Johnson. And in three years, that won't last. Julia Roberts thought Lyle Lovett would make her happy. That didn't last. And it goes on and on and on. We think to ourselves, well, I'm better than that. Are we really? Are we really any smarter? Have we really understood or do we go off to work every day with the same kind of wishful thinking in our mind? I hope my life gets better. I just wish I could get nicer things. If only I could take a month vacation instead of two weeks, I'd be so much happier. If only I could have two cars instead of one, life would be so much better. There'd be so much less stress in my life. We have been infected with the lie. It is not riches that make a person happy. Happiness cannot be bought. Let me share with you a passage. This is out of the Living Bible, out of Proverbs. In Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5, this is the advice of God. Do not weary yourself trying to get rich. Why waste your time? For riches can disappear as though they had the wings of a bird. Now, I can tell you right now, I can attest to that. I can attest that. There's bills to pay. They'll just tax you higher. One way or another, your riches are going to go. Because no matter what level of wealth you attain, your appetite is never satisfied. Money is just like a drug. You become addicted to what it can get you, except, just like a drug, you reach a certain level of tolerance, and now you need more to kick you up to the next high. And then you reach a level of tolerance and immunity, and you need more to kick you up to the next level. And it keeps going and going and going and going. And your life falls apart, your spirit falls apart, your family falls apart. Your relationships fall apart, but you've got money. But you've got money. Don't weary yourself trying to get rich. 
That's why I call this improving the quality of life and put in parentheses without spending a dime. That's just the opposite to us. That is the antithesis of one another. That cannot be true. How can I improve the quality of my life without spending any money? That's what I'm going to share with you in this series. I'm going to tell you right now, there's not a person in the world, in the world that I know of, that I envy. Not a person in the world. I am one of the richest men in the world. What God has brought to my life in the last 20 years, I feel like I'm the richest man in the world. And I'm not wealthy. I don't have a garbage disposal. I don't have two cars. I don't have an electric garage door opener. I don't have a leaf blower. I don't have a snow blower. I have a two-bedroom home that we rent with four children and a mom and a dad. That's not a whole lot of space. I don't have a lot of money in the bank. I don't have an inheritance waiting for me that when I hit 45 is going to be mine. I don't have any of those kinds of things. What I have and what I've discovered in the last 20 years are the things that really make a person happy. They last and they get better and better and better. Let me just share with you a few things here. Jesus told us in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 32, that you would know the truth and the truth would set you free. See, truth is very powerful. In our society, you'd be hard-pressed to find much truth out there. Most advertisement, most television, everything is basically, basically, bringing to us the same message. And that message is a lie. That if we slept around more, we'd have a lot more fun. If we experimented more, we'd have a lot more fun. If we had a lot of money to go do whatever we wanted to do, we'd really have a lot more fun. And we'd just be so enriched. You know, when you drive out around Lake Minnetonka, and you park there, and you drive it up to the dock, and you're just sitting there, and these people drive up in their 70-foot boats, or whatever they're called. I don't even know what they're called, technically. Yachts or boats. And they walk off, and they walk up to their Lexus that matches the color of the boat. And you know, you think to yourself, crap. Some people have all the luck. Man, I'd give anything to be able to just take my family, you know, and pull over to the dock and have someone get the boat all gassed up and just hop on it. Because we believe somehow those people are happier, and they're not. And they're not. Money has the magic power of making you think you're happy. Just like cocaine has the magic power of making you think you're confident. Just like drugs influence a person's mind, so does money. And the Bible tells us this. It says, beware. The love of money is the root of all evil. For many people wanting to get rich have pierced themselves with a multitude of grief and pain. See, in America, money is the rule of the land. Comfort, luxury. I mean, you know, we'd die if we didn't get a used Charmin. Especially for female. I know because I live with three. It's just like, my goodness, if I got to use that Scott stuff or that, that cheap old Walmart stuff, I'm just going to die. 
Now, I'm not knocking to you, Charmin. I, I have a little system in our family. I buy Charmin for the girls' bathroom and the other stuff for the guys' bathroom. I real, uh, by the way, I want you to understand, I understand, too, why ladies would rather use Charmin. They use toilet paper a lot more than us guys. I, I, under, I comprehend that. I understand anatomy and science and all that. I just want to remind all of you, all of us, male and female, that every one of us in this room this morning live better, live better than 90% of the rest of the population of the world. You eat better. You drive in something better. You sleep at night in something better. But America is caught up in a lie. And we are hurrying and scurrying like little rats. Trying to get more. Trying to get more. And we are sacrificing our lives, our joy, and our families for a little bit more. And you can't take any of it with you. And it doesn't make the ride more enjoyable either. That's the big deception. See, all of us realize that there's no hearses with a luggage rack. We all realize that no funeral procession and on top of the hearse where the dead person is, is all of his treasures. You can't take any of them with you. You can sort of decide who you can leave it to and then they fight over that. We all know that. But what we don't get is it doesn't make your life here and now any happier. That's where the rub is. That's where the rub is. We have become enslaved by our perceptions of life. We are enslaved by our perceptions. We wear certain kind of clothes for status. We drive a certain kind of car for status. We think if someone gives us a little title and we have a little achievement, a little fame, it makes us good. I'm going to share this with you more in the third week of this series, but I was really struck by Mickey Mantle as I saw him in the last days of his life with tears in his eyes telling a nation of people, I blew it, I screwed up my life. He did screw up his life. What do you think all those records mean to a man who's ruined his family? What do you think it means to a man who partied away his life, who drank away his life, ruined his whole insides, doing what the crowd said to do, just hanging out with the guys, and he's dead? So big deal, they eulogize you when you're dead and gone because you could hit a little ball. But your own sons don't love you. Your own wife couldn't stand to be in the same room with you. What does it mean, folks? Think about that. Think about it. Because all the world around you and I is caught up. They bought into the lie. And if you're not careful... You'll get sucked down right with it. Instead, you can have a wonderful life. I'm telling you this morning, you can have a fantastic life. We must redefine quality. We must redefine quality based on truth. We must embrace a new philosophy. We must embrace the truth. That's why Jesus said, you know the truth and the truth will make you free. Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Beware. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich you are. This coming from a man who owned one set of clothing. 
And that set of clothing they gambled for when he died. This coming from a man who owned really no worldly possessions. He's the richest man that ever lived. And he's telling us, listen, in the New American Standard Version of the Bible, it says this, a man's life does not consist of what he possesses. And yet, we see bumper stickers that say, the one with the most toys before he dies wins. And we'll go into debt up to our ears to get a snowmobile, to get a snowblower, to get a jet ski, to furnish. I just got to be furnished. We just got to furnish that house with the latest and the newest and the best. And in about four to five years, we'll be tired of that. And we got to have a little more. Well, because the styles are going to change. Well, it's all deliberate. It's all very deliberate. It's called planned obsolescence. That's how this economy works. That's how this country runs. is by catching us in the cycle of... Now catch this, because most of us don't think of ourselves this way. Of greed and lust. Lust for more. It plays on our dissatisfaction. Our dissatisfaction. When I think of America, I think of Mick Jagger's song. I can't get no satisfaction. And I try. And of course, he's not talking about that. He's talking about something else. But the point is still true. No matter how hard you try, apart from God, apart from His truth, you will not be satisfied. Not really and truly satisfied. You might be for a moment. You might be for a time. Wealth does not make us happy. It only makes us think we're happy. Quality of life is about richness of spirit, not about richness of things. Quality of life is about richness of spirit, not about richness of things. And I want you to think about this for a moment. What comes to your mind when you think about quality? What comes to your mind? This term is generally used to differentiate between cheap and expensive. We're going to buy quality or we're going to Walmart. A Chevrolet or a Mercedes. Quality relates to value or cost and our ability to afford valuable things. That's why the rich are envied. They can afford valuable things so their quality of life must be better. That's how we think. I constantly hear this term used. Somebody say, well, you know, I believe in buying quality. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you're going to buy cheap all the time. I'm trying to help you understand a perception about life. About Have you ever thought to yourself, how could rational, logical people play the lottery? I, I just have no idea how rational, logical people can play the lottery. Your chances are one in billions that you'll win. Do you know why we play it? The real reason, but we don't play it because it's fun. We don't, we don't really play it because it's fun to hold everybody up in line at a super miracle while you scratch and sniff. <laughs> that is not fun. We play the lottery and it's booming all across this country because we really believe I have a chance to get rich. 
I could stop working. I could pay all my bills. We don't think that much, though, about our bills. We think more about what we could have that we don't have. And we've got billions of dollars spent in this country every year for a little chance at money. And I wonder, for just a brief moment, if God was going to show up today at the Target Center, if we'd stand in line for a lottery ticket just to hear what He might have to tell us about life. If we'd be interested. See, what what we do with our life... You know, when I was a kid... They used to give Sears catalogs away. Now you have to pay for them. But like the drama today, who wants Sears? You know, maybe a Bloomingdale's or something like that. You know, Neiman Marcus. And you know what we used to do when we were kids? We'd get to see. We couldn't wait till the Sears Christmas catalog came out. Anybody remember that when you were a kid? Yeah, I could not wait till the Sears Christmas catalog came out. The special edition. You're a little kid and you're paging and you're just salivating and you're circling what you hope mom and dad will see. And you're bending the page over, and you turn, and you turn, and you turn. Walk into some people's houses, and there's architect today, there's better homes and garden, there's living for tomorrow, there's this, there's that. And they sit in our chairs, and we turn. Oh, oh, I wish I had that cabin. Oh, that's what I could do to the bathroom. Oh, that's what we could do to our backyard. Folks, it's time we, we really wake up and realize what it really says about us. And what we really value. And, and it helps explain why so many of us are so unhappy, so lonely, so easily discouraged, so prone to depression, so hopeless. Because we've grossly misplaced our priorities. God can make you happy. God has happiness for you that is beyond anything in your wildest dreams. And I have been experiencing that for the last 20 years of my life. I cannot tell you what a difference the last 20 years of my life has been compared to the previous 20 before that. The difference in joy and contentment. Do you know what the definition of happiness really is? It means enjoying contentment. That, that's, a, that's a heavy word, isn't it? Contentment. And what cont does contentment mean? It means I'm happy with what I've got. But that doesn't, that doesn't jive in America. That I can, How can I be happy with what I've got? Really happy. You know what it's like to be really content? Walk out in your living room and just be, I'm so thankful for that couch. I'm just so thankful for this broken down dining room table and chairs. My children <clears throat> go to school at home on an oval table with metal chairs around it that are ripped that I paid a hundred dollars for. And, and, I, and, I, and I chuckle sometimes, people think, well, oh, they have such a negative environment to grow up in. If you met my kids, you'd be shocked by the level of happiness. Shocked. I have people tell me that all the time. In fact, when my children go to karate school, they actually get teased for smiling too much. And that's no lie. In fact, one teacher comes in, uh, one that visits once in a while and says, yeah, you kids, just get to get that smile off your face. It is not right that someone should be so happy. And the person's serious. Most of you are adults now here 
You can think back, what would you have rather had? An oak table and the finest furniture in the world or a mom and dad who loved you to pieces? Think about it. Think about what would have made you happy as a kid. I used to think when I was a kid, you know, all there was was Converse tennis shoes. They were of the canvas variety. And the real rich kids got to buy the leather suede ones to match their outfits for, for, for basketball. I, I never got that. Or, or there was Levi's or Sears Tough Skins. <laughs> and, the, and the Levi's weren't broken in. And today I wouldn't be caught dead in a pair. But when I was a kid, I felt so bad that I had to wear Sears Tough Skins. I look back today as an adult and I thank God for a mom that loved me. For a mom that was there, dad that was there, a family where there was some love. And, and it mattered all the trappings of the home. What mattered was, as Proverbs says, better is a bowl of porridge where there's love than the fatted calf and strife with it. And usually with the fatted calf, you find the strife. And usually with the porridge, you find love and contentment. Quality of life does not come from quantity of things, nor the quality of those things. Quality of life is about richness of spirit, richness of mind, richness of relationships, and richness in God. Those four things. I'm going to spend the next three weeks talking to you about Richness of spirit, richness of mind, richness of relationships, and richness in God. And by the time we're done, at the end of this month, if you embrace and understand what I'm saying, the quality of life from here now for you is going to be radically improved. And it only gets better. And it only gets richer. And I can tell you that from experience. I can tell you that in 16 years of marriage, my marriage has gotten richer, not worse. I can tell you in almost 16 years of parenting that my parenting has gotten richer, not worse. While many of my peers can't wait for their high school kids to graduate, I am dreading the day they leave. When many people were thinking, oh my gosh, we're headed into the terrible twos, I couldn't wait till my children hit two. When many of my peers, I go back and see those that I graduated from high school with, and their lives are falling apart and they're just trying to get just a little more I'm so thankful for what I've got so glad in the goodness of God yesterday I close on this I was um, in our in our bedroom and the fan was going and and I was contemplating this message I was kind of prop you know prop laying back in the bed my hands behind my head looking up at the ceiling and I all of a sudden I heard these voices like this singing and I live over near the Mall of America. It's kind of a busy area, so I was surprised I could hear anything. There's, we live around the corner from a fire engine station, you know, a fire station. And it, every day the sirens are going off. And I heard the singing. Na, 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 na. I thought, I, I, th- I know that. At first I didn't know where it was coming. I thought it was my daughter singing downstairs. And I turned the fan off and... Behind the houses over by the game refuge over where I live, a school that was bought by a Lutheran group. They have a school over there, and I think they have church over there or something. And here these people were singing back to them, having a service outside. Thy loving kindness is better than life. It's a song I knew 16 years ago. 
I tell you, I was just laying with the biggest smile on my face thinking, this is unbelievable, man. Wouldn't it be great to hear as you went up and down the streets of America, thy loving kindness, Lord, is better than life. I'd rather have the love of God in my life than life. Because it's better than life. It's better than anything life has to offer. And I'm going to help you understand that the next three weeks. Please come back here because I promise you that you will understand as we go through these things how you can improve the quality of your life and what steps you can take to do it and how to get there. If you just stick with me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that your love really is better than life. We thank you so much, Lord, that all that you have to offer us is absolutely free. Everything the world has to offer us, it'll take our sweat, our blood. We'll have to sacrifice everything just to say we got it. And then we die. Everything you have to give us is free. Lord, you can change our attitude. You can change our perspective. You can renew and invigorate our spirit. You can change our relationships. You can change the way we go about life. And we can go about it in such a way that every day, is sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. I ask you, Lord, help us. Open our eyes. Give us a willingness to believe. Give us a willingness to let go of the lies that we've held on to for so long. The false perceptions. And a willingness to open our mind and open our heart and embrace the truth as you gave it to us. In Jesus' name, amen.